John Chapman is an Australian evangelist, and uh, I know that he's known to uh, many of us here at Christchurch Forward. And he often tells the story of how at one time he taught scripture at a boys' school in uh, Sydney. And he recalls how every year, sooner or later, there will be uh, one bright spark who would take him on in theological debate. Uh, One year, a certain boy uh, thought he'd got a decisive argument with John. And he, he asked him this question. He said, have you ever seen God then? Have you ever seen God? I.e., if you haven't seen God, then what you're saying uh, must be untrue. Uh, well, John is uh, far quicker than most of us. And he came back very quickly with the reply. I could have done, but I was just too late. I just missed him. And uh, he adds, he said... Uh, I miss Queen Victoria also, even though most of you will probably think I didn't. Uh, John is one of those people who always starts his books at the moment, uh, saying, I'm a 76-year-old. In fact, I think he's now an octogenarian. But you see, the trouble is, with being human, is that we cannot live in every age of human history at the same time. That boy's question, uh, though very striking, actually gets to the heart of uh, the matter for many people. Have you seen God? There was, of course, a time uh, when ordinary people did see him as he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And the wonderful thing is that though you and I, uh, none of us here, were there then, uh, other people were, and they recorded what happened so that we can know what happened. As Paul said earlier, over the next few uh, summer mornings, we're going to be looking at one of the accounts of Jesus' life recorded by Matthew. And we're going to read what he wrote about the amazing things that Jesus did so that we can share in them. Now, no doubt over uh, the next few weeks, uh, many of us will also uh, send or receive postcards Even in this age of texts and emails, we still use postcards as a way of telling people about the amazing time that we're having on holiday. In fact, we seem to send them regardless of whether we're having an amazing time or not. And we often end them by saying these words. We say, wish you were here, even if we didn't really. (laughs) What we're saying is we'd love them to have enjoyed everything that we were enjoying. We'd love them to have shared the experiences that we had. And on these summer mornings, uh, we'll be reading Matthew's account of the things that people saw Jesus do. Some amazing things. And he records them so that we who weren't there would wish that we had been. Indeed, Matthew longs that we had seen those things too. Uh, So this week, uh, it's wish you were here to see Jesus cleanse the leper. Uh, Next week, wish you were here to see Jesus and the centurion. Then Jesus calming a storm. Jesus and the demon-possessed man. And then finally, Jesus and the paralytic. But you know what? We uh, won't see the full significance of uh, these events unless we see their context. What had happened just before these events Uh, Verse 1 of our reading, uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, says that Jesus is coming down from a mountain side, uh, followed by crowds. Why? Well, they just listened to him deliver what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. 
and uh, verses uh, 28 and 29 of chapter 7 tell us that they were absolutely amazed. They were gobsmacked by the things that Jesus said. He taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You see, as Jesus had uh, spoken to them up on that mountain, he had proclaimed the kingdom of heaven. But he hadn't just proclaimed that it was going to happen one day. He was proclaiming that it was happening there and then. But more than that, he was the king of that kingdom. He was the true Israel. He was what Israel should have been. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. The one to whom they pointed He was the one who guides and cares for God's people. He was the means by which people could enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he is the messianic king. He is God himself. And those were very bold and explosive claims to make. And no doubt as his hearers heard them, they they wanted to know more. Because many of them had been waiting and waiting and waiting for God's Messiah to come. And what Matthew uh, records for us is a series of episodes in which Jesus proves he is who he says he is. And as we look at each of those episodes, we're going to be brought up close with the Jesus who walked 2,000 years ago. We, like those original eyewitnesses, will be challenged by what Jesus does, And how he does it. And about how he treats people. And people treat him. Now just before we launch into this uh, first episode, it's worth noting two themes that run throughout uh, each of these uh, episodes that Matthew records. The first theme is that of suffering, of decay and of death in the world. We'll see that in each situation but we'll also see how Jesus links them with mankind's sinful rebellion against God. Time and again, Jesus is dealing with a situation where somebody is near death and he speaks of faith, he speaks of judgment, he speaks of the kingdom. Not, of course, I need to add that any of these individuals' personal sickness or proximity to death are necessarily the result of their sin or rebellion against God. So first theme is that of uh, death and that of sickness and illness connected intimately with our rebellion against God. The second theme is how Jesus is the king of the kingdom because he rescues people both from physical death and from uh, the spiritual death. And as he does so, we see the kingdom of heaven breaking in to this world in a way that is miraculous. It'll be a kingdom that we will long to be a part of. It's a kingdom that is so attractive. And it's a kingdom that we can be part of through faith in the one who is bringing it in. We, like those first uh, hearers of Jesus, like those people who first saw him, can be a part of that kingdom in and through faith in the one that Matthew is bringing us face to face with. So let's look then at this first encounter, an encounter with a leper. And we'll look at it under uh, three headings, the first of which 
is this. Desperate dependence. Desperate dependence. You can see this in verse 2. A man with leprosy came up and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you look down at the footnote, you'll see that at the small letter B and A, well, small letter A to start with for this verse, it tells us that this is a word that was used there not just for leprosy as we might know it today, uh, Hansen's disease, but it could be used for any disease that affected the skin. <clears throat> what this uh, person that uh, approached Jesus had, we're not quite sure. If it was leprosy, then the man would have been considered as good as dead already. It was the first century equivalent of, of AIDS or bird flu, and it was very contagious. So this man would have been forced to live apart from everybody else. And uh, when he walked around, he'd have probably had to carry a bell, ringing the bell, and shouting out the words, unclean, unclean, to warn people that he was around. There was no known cure in those days. Uh, that said, uh, e even if it wasn't the uh, life-threatening skin disease, uh, if you were to look back at uh, Leviticus 14, you'd have seen that uh, skin disease means that a man would have been made unclean spiritually. He would have been excluded from the people of God and from the presence of God in the temple. So to say that this man's situation was desperate would be an understatement. He is physically disfigured, in pain, socially isolated and spiritually abandoned. He was a walking advert for the effects of sin on humanity. It's not surprising, therefore, that this leper was the first person that Matthew records as meeting with Jesus. The leper may well have heard Jesus' teaching at a distance, or at least heard something about this man. And he knew that Jesus could help him. He knew that Jesus was the spiritual and physical saviour that he so desperately needed. And even though it meant defying social convention, he made a beeline straight for Jesus and no one was going to stop him. And yet, in spite of his desperate need, do you see how he approaches Jesus? Firstly, he comes humbly before Jesus and he falls upon his knees and he calls him Lord. He knows that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the true King of heaven, and he treats him accordingly. It's worth noting that the words used by Matthew here of what this leper does before Jesus in kneeling are exactly the same words that he used of the Magi as they knelt and worshipped Jesus when he was born. Uh, see, second, that the, uh, the leper acknowledges that Jesus is able to do just what he wants to do. He has the power to do what he wants or wills. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can. No ifs or buts. He acknowledges that Jesus has no obligation to do anything, but that he can do everything. He knows that he is totally and utterly dependent. He is desperate and dependent on Jesus. 
It's a picture of real faith, isn't it? Submitting to God's will and trusting him to do what is right rather than twisting his arm and saying, Lord, you've got to do this. I believe in you, but I'm the one that's pulling the strings. No, he he believes in who Jesus is and he trusts him to do what is right. You can do it if you are willing. And then notice third, what the leper asks. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, he recognises his greatest need is not a cure, but to be cleansed, to be made clean before God, put back in right standing with him. To be ill, to be a leper, was of course physically painful. It would have cut him off from his own family physically and it would have been emotionally very painful indeed. But to be cut off from God, that is eternal hell. It is our worst nightmare. And the leper realises that that is his situation and Jesus alone can help. He knows he's desperately dependent on Jesus and that's why he comes to him and not asks for a cure. But please cleanse me. Set me right with yourself. Set me right with God. The truth is that that is what we all desperately need, isn't it? We all desperately need to be cleansed from our sin. We all desperately need to be cleansed so that we can be set right with God. So that the consequences of our sin, which left unsorted, will cut us off from God, not just in this life, but for eternity. Because each of us is a sinner. None of us lives each moment acknowledging who God is and letting him be our God. None of us love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Each of us, because of our sin, faces that eternity of hell when we die. But this leper recognises that Jesus is the answer to that. Now you may look at your life and wonder who can help you with the things that you are facing. Ultimately, with your sin. Jesus is the one who can do it. And we'll see that in a moment. But equally, you may also be battling with all kinds of other things in your life. It may well be that uh, you're a Christian person and continue to battle just with ongoing sin day by day. Come to Jesus. It may well be that you're someone who's battling with broken relationships in your own family, be it uh, relationships that have ended, be it bereavement, be it something that has gone on in your own career recently, perhaps Uh, your career has been shattered by being made redundant. Or perhaps it's physical illness or something else. Take a look and see what this leper does first and foremost. He sees his spiritual need as being most important above everything else. And he cries to Jesus for that. Well, let's look on and see what happens next because we see how the leper is responded to by Jesus. And as we see this happen, we will see that Jesus is the true king. And we'll see what kind of king he is. 
whether it's worthwhile kneeling before him like the leper and asking him for help or not. So from desperate dependence to secondly, death defeated, verse 3. Uh, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Or in fact, as the original Matthew wrote, it says, be cleansed, not be clean. This dead man's faith in Jesus receives an immediate response. Immediately, Jesus identifies with the leper and he reaches out to the man rather than recoiling. That's what everybody else would have done. They'd have recoiled from the leper. Jesus reaches out and he touches the man. No one else would have done that. He wouldn't have had his family hug him for years. No one else would have come around and shaken his hand in greeting. They'd have kept their distance. He wouldn't even have been able to play with his children. They'd have been at arm's length too. But Jesus touches the man and then he speaks, I am willing, be clean. On uh, Friday here at Christchurch Forward, I had the great joy of uh, marrying Dan and Claire. It may well be that uh, some of their family and friends are here this morning. It was a great day. And uh, as we heard uh, Dan and Claire uh, stating their vows to one another, before they did that, uh, I asked them a question. I asked Dan, will you take Claire to be your wife? And I asked Claire, will you take Daniel to be your husband? Those questions demanded a response from each of them to show that they wanted to get married So only an I will would have done. Not, well, I might, or, well, if certain conditions are met, or if if you do this, then I will. No, both of them said, I will. A statement of intent. And, of course, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. But that's what Jesus does here. He says, I will. The leper asks, if you will, Jesus replies, I will. And immediately the man was cleansed. The curse of that deadly disease lifted. And instead of contracting the disease, Jesus cures it. The man is cleansed spiritually. Death is defeated. Physical and spiritual death is defeated there. If we'd have been there, we would have been stunned. We'd have seen a deformed shriveled, scaly, derelict of a human being, standing upright and with perfect skin. No need for L'Oreal or one of the other brands. No need for airbrushing. This man was perfect. A man brought back from the dead, death defeated. And the significance of what Jesus has done, well, it was hinted at in our reading from Isaiah. Isaiah 25. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheep that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. 
That's exactly what the leper would have said. I trusted Jesus and he delivered. Death is defeated. I'm right with God and I'm healed. Here was a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven and it showed that Jesus was indeed the king. Later on uh, in Matthew, uh, we'll see that uh, John, John the Baptist's disciples come up to Jesus and say, are you the Christ? Are you the one that we should expect to come? We're not sure. And Jesus says these words to them in uh, Matthew 11, verse 5. He says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy or skin diseases are cured. The king is here. This is the mark of his kingdom. Now it's worth saying that we don't have the promise of perfect health in this life and indeed the death of dear friends in these past few weeks and the serious illness of others tell us that that is not so. For the kingdom of heaven has yet to break in fully and it will only do so when the king returns. But we do have the promise of cleansing, of being put right spiritually with God, our sin washed away. And as Paul said this morning, that wonderful visual illustration of water at baptism. And that's what we're praying for Ruth, is that she will come to receive cleansing when she herself bows before the Lord Jesus and accepts him as the king he is. It's a promise that is made possible because Jesus identified even more with us as sinners than he did with a leper. He just touched the leper, taking, as it were, almost his illness, his sickness, his disease upon himself. And yet, several years later, he would willingly identify in a far greater way with you and I as he was led out and crucified on a cross. Crucified not because he was himself a criminal or a sinner in any other way. He did not sin at all. But he went to his death upon the cross for us. He went to die our death upon the cross to pay the price for our sins. And you know what? Having done so, he rose again on the third day. Final proof that he is the king of the kingdom, that death is defeated, spiritual death and physical death. Matthew records that too. If you've never seen it, do turn to the end of his gospel and read it. And just as Jesus cleansed that leper, made him spiritually clean before God, so he wants to do the same for you and for me. He's shown he can do it, and he says he is willing to free each and every one of us from the consequences of our sin. To give us new life, a new relationship with God himself, now and forever. So that when we physically die, we have that sure and certain hope of eternity with him forever. And eternity in his heavenly kingdom with him as king. It's amazingly attractive, isn't it? In a world where there is just decay and death, as Paul pointed out at the beginning of our service, it is amazingly attractive to see that 
and to know that that awaits for you and for me if we are believers in Jesus Christ and if we acknowledge he is the king. He alone can give us that hope in a decaying and diseased world. He alone can give us hope in the face of our death and the face of the death of others. And he alone can give us hope in the face of his judgment because he is willing to make us clean. He has defeated death. Surely it's mad. It's madness not to come to him. Bow the knee in faith to him and receive it. That's all you have to do is ask for it and receive. Uh, I was uh, speaking to somebody in our congregation this morning who uh, became a Christian in this last year in a Muslim country. Her face was beaming. He's willing to do that for you today. If you've yet to receive his cleansing, all you have to do is on your knees, ask it for from him. So we've seen, uh, first off, we've seen desperate dependence, death defeated, and finally, and much more briefly, dominion demonstrated. If you've any doubts about whether Jesus is indeed the king he says he is, well, Jesus says to the leper, he says, go and demonstrate my dominion. Go and demonstrate that I am king in the way that you should do. So finally, dominion demonstrated, verse 4. Jesus said to the leper, See that you do not tell anyone else, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus gives the man strict instructions, not to tell anyone, but to go straight down to the temple and get his healing verified, get his cleansing verified, by the priests. Not that he needed to, because it was obvious already. And he was then to offer the sacrifice, the gift that Moses commanded back in Leviticus 14. Why the elaborate charade? Surely it would have been obvious. It would have been obvious to everybody there. But the reason is found in those final words, as a testimony to them. I think there are two reasons why Jesus says this. First, as a testimony that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus says to the man, go and do what the law commands. And uh, the man would have gone down to the uh, 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 temple and he'd have pitched up to the priest and said, look, I'm cured of my leprosy. And no doubt the priest would have seen this man before and would have had to exclude him. Uh, You can almost imagine... Uh, as the man comes into the temple courts, everybody's amazed. The priest would have reached for the dusty pigeonhole in which were kept the uh, tickets for those who had been cleansed of leprosy. Because they weren't used that often. Very few people were cured. And he'd have reached up to it in absolute amazement. You see, Jesus said that he had come to fulfill, not to abolish the law. And so this had to happen. Of course, Jesus had already pronounced him clean. But he wanted to show it to the religious establishment that it had happened to fulfill the law. So that was the first reason, as a testimony that Jesus fulfills the law. But second, to prove to the priests that the Messiah or the King had arrived. Jesus' command was that they they would see this man, that they'd hear his story, and that they'd know that Jesus was the one who had done it. 
that he had demonstrated his dominion. That he was the king, that he had the power and authority, not just to cure, but to cleanse. And yet the sad thing would be that the priests turned out to be some of the harshest opponents of Jesus, refusing to accept him for who he was, regardless of the dominion demonstrated by him, not just in this situation, but in many others. But let me close by asking, what about you? What about you and me? It can be very easy to condemn priests and to condemn other people because of their behaviour and their lack of faith. What do you make of the Jesus that Matthew writes to us about? The one who has the ability to make us right with God and to do the things only only God can do. The one who met the leper who came to him in desperate dependence. The one who willingly cleansed him defeating his deadly disease and restoring him spiritually and physically. Well, through uh, Matthew's postcard about Jesus, he gives us proof that Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven. That he is the way into the kingdom, just as he said he was. For he is God in the flesh. And through that proof, Jesus calls you and I to faith in him. If we haven't yet bowed the knee to Jesus and acknowledged who he is, there may well be people here this morning for whom that may be something you need to do. You have yet to bow the knee before him. Don't wait another day. Here is the proof. Here is Matthew's postcard to you. But Jesus also calls those of us who do believe, who are living with him as king, to continue to live that way in full obedience and faith, to listen to the king who had preached on the mountain and to dwell upon his every word. But more than that, to live our lives as a testimony to him, that our lives would point to him, whether we're on holidays or in the office, whether we're on a bus or a plane, whether in our homes or in a hotel. Let our lives bear witness to the fact that Jesus has cleansed us and longs to cleanse others. Let's pray.